You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Halley. Hello, Oilers fans. Thank you once again for tuning in to The Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter. At Connor Halley. Before we get going today, we've got to thank our sponsor, of course, the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings. If you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN when you do so. Of course, the NHL's got another week left in the regular season before the playoffs get going. You've got the NBA in the playoffs, Major League Baseball, Golf, Mixed Martial Arts, and before you know it, the NFL season will be back. Lots of fun to be had with DraftKings. I'll tell you a little bit more about that later on in the podcast. Of course, though, if you're going to sign up today, make sure to use promo code THPN. On the show today, we've got a great one. We're going to be talking a whole variety of subjects. We've got Brendan Clack joining me. He, of course, working with 630 Chad. You can get his work at Fantrax, and you can give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. We'll talk about the Oilers, of course, playing very good hockey as of late. They've got a couple straight wins, 4 nothing victories over Vegas and Nashville. Mike Smith, 69 save performance in those two games, two shutouts, and things are looking pretty good for the Oilers. Of course, coming off that win in Vegas or against Vegas, Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl shut out for the third time in four meetings against Vegas. But the Oilers still doing enough to get that four nothing win. Some depth scoring, always good to see. We'll talk about that with Brennan Clack. Uh, also, some news for the Edmonton Oilers: Evander Kane today was not with the team. It's out in New York dealing with some of the fallout from the contract issues with the San Jose Sharks. Uh, might be nice for him to get a couple days of rest. Obviously, the travel maybe not the best thing, but uh, he should be good to go on Wednesday. Uh, Kyrie Yamamoto also missed practice today. Maintenance day, uh, I mean, it was pretty evident if you watched the game on Saturday. He wasn't in the best of shape. Blocked the shot on the kneecap, it looked like. Uh, just a maintenance day for Kyler. Uh, maybe we'll see him back in the lineup on Wednesday. If not, I'm sure he'll be out there on Friday. But heading into this stretch run, you want to be healthy, right? So I'm, I'm sure the Oilers will handle that with an abundance of caution. Uh, another news of note today, Oilers 2024th round pick Carter Savoy signing an amateur tryout with the Bakersfield Condors. That means uh, his college career is done. He won a national championship with the University of Denver. He's good. He scored a lot of big goals for that team. He's moving on to the next step. Uh, probably a guy who's a couple years away from seeing the NHL level in a regular season, but a guy who's got a knack for putting the puck in the back of the net. We'll talk to Clock about that as well. We're also going to talk to Patrick Cordyback. He is the voice of the stereos, the lead singer, the front man, and uh, they've got a new video coming out, and... I highly recommend you check it out. It's with the boys from On the Bench. I I know you know who they are. Even if you can't put the face to the name, if you go to YouTube, search On the Bench, and watch their latest video, you'll know what I'm talking about. That's Stereos. That's On the Bench. A really good time. Uh, It was on the Sportsnet broadcast on Monday evening. So you'll like it. Trust me. We'll talk to Patrick about that, how it all came to be. The Stereos uh, from Edmonton. Oilers fans, you go to the Wikipedia page, you'll see Pat wearing the Oilers shirt. They're big-time fans, so we'll talk to Pat about the music video, how it came to be, and uh, the Oilers fandom as well. We'll get to that later on in the show. But right now, let's start it off with Brennan Clack of Fantrax. You can give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. Brennan, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? Not too bad, Connor. I mean, uh, I, I just retweeted the signing this morning that Buffalo made, so it wasn't that fast. I was sleeping <laughs> it's Easter weekend, but otherwise, I try my best. Well, I mean, you got it out there, right? And and that's what matters. Uh, 
I appreciate it. I, I, I like to turn alerts on every once in a while, like for NHL free agency, you know, you go on Drager, all the big guys for NFL, how like Rappaport and, and Schefter and, you know, just seasonal. I don't like to have alerts on all the time, but there's certain times when you just got to know who's the quickest and who's going to have it out the fastest. And you're certainly one that I like to make sure the alert is on that you will be uh, tweeting and, uh, and making sure that I get that notification because uh, I, I always appreciate that. And, uh, Oh man, uh, clock, there's lots to get to. Before, before we even got you on recording here, we were talking pretty much every single topic out there. Uh, we're talking music, Kendrick Lamar hinting that he's got a new album coming out. We talked a little NFL free agency. I want to take you back though, because, uh, Alan Mitchell's been talking about this on his show today, which is Monday. Uh, spoiler alert, this isn't live. We pre-taped the day before and put it out there. So for Tuesday, it's kind of old news, but we're on the anniversary of the Edmonton Oilers winning the lottery that secured Connor McDavid. Now, Clock, do you remember where you were when that happened? Yes, I do. I was in my basement watching the lottery and I had a friend on, uh, I think it was Skype at the time. And he was kind of asking me, who's this McDavid guy? Should we care? And I said, you, you definitely should care. This is the best player I've ever seen come out of junior. And then when the Oilers won the lottery, there was some loud yelling in my basement. I won't say who it was, but there was only one person in there. And, uh, there was a lot of celebration because I knew that there was going to be a huge change in Edmonton and that we had just landed a player in Edmonton that was a generational talent. So I, I remember being extremely excited about a draft lottery, which is so rare, but uh, like, especially after all the lotteries Edmonton had went through already, it's like, Oh, another first overall pick. No, no, this one is actually different. Uh, it was extremely exciting. I remember the 2012 draft. I was down in Vegas, uh, me and a couple of buddies at a pool party and it was draft day 2012. And, you know, we got closer to the draft and I excused myself. My buddies at the time, uh, one was, uh, you know, socializing. The other was a Ducks fan, didn't really care about the draft. You know, they were pretty good back then, didn't really care about that late pick. So I snuck off, went to the Flamingo Sportsbook and sat down with a couple Islanders fans. And, uh, if those guys remind or remember me, they probably think I'm the biggest idiot of all time because the Oilers drafted Neil Yakubov. Uh, as we were talking, they said, oh, uh, what, do you, what do you think about that McDavid kid? I think he was like 14 at the time. And I said, well, it's too bad. The Oilers will be nowhere near contention by the time he rolls around because, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be in the playoffs. They got Yakupov. They've got Hall. They've got Eberle. So much talent going up there. Uh, Oilers will, you know, they'll be out of the draft lottery for a long time. Well, a few years later, who do they get? Connor McDavid. But I sat with them until the Islanders pick, and that's when they got Griffin Reinhardt. And I told them he was going to be a shutdown defenseman for years. So I was pretty wrong in my exchange with these fans from New York. Uh, I don't know if they remember me. They might laugh at me because I was just praising those guys. Uh, might have had a little too much to drink at the pool party, but uh, that's my story. I, I never thought the Oilers would get a chance at Connor McDavid when it happened. I remember my parents texting me. I remember like friends calling me, the the people I was watching with. I clock. You might have been too young, but we were doing shots to celebrate because I knew work was going to be a lot more fun with Connor McDavid. Uh, man, it's just uh, what he's done for this franchise. And I know they haven't got to the ultimate goal yet, but I mean, he, he's he's met and probably exceeded the individual expectations that we all had for him. Oh, 100%. I mean, what McDavid has done is he's basically become the franchise, and not just him, but, but Leon Dreisaitl as well. I mean, these two guys have made it exciting to be an Oilers fan again, because I was growing up in a time where 
you know, the first half of this, of that decade, it was just kind of bleak. Like you kept thinking it might turn a corner. There was the 2013 season where they were in the playoff mix and on the deadline day, they were in eighth. And it was a thought that maybe the Oilers could make some moves and get into that playoff mix. And then they traded for Jared Smithson and that was it. And then they fell out. So there was some dark times. And then all of a sudden McDavid comes through and, and it's just been a hundred point season after a hundred point season for McDavid and dry is now getting 50 goals a year. I mean, it's, it's incredible to watch those two. And now I think the fans have graduated a little bit to where the shock and awe of these two players being so good. It's, it's still there every single game, but now it's like, okay, you've got these two guys time to win. Let's win something. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, it, it, it goes beyond those two. I mean, you know, they, they've kind of lived up to what they can do. Two players can't really carry a team. Uh, we've seen Chiarelli kind of swing and miss. He had the team that he built, uh, 2017 that didn't work out. Uh, Ken Holland now here trying to do his thing and, and now we wait and, and see if the Oilers goaltending can hold up and, and win them a round or two. Clack, going back to the start of the year, I think a lot of us would have said if they don't, Win a playoff series or two this season has to be looked at as a failure. That that was my opinion. Uh, last week on the Gregor show, Struddy and I were talking about that, and he said, you know, there can be little victories. If even if they were to lose in the first round of the playoffs, there can still be little victories. And I think if you if you look at it that way, sure, you could take things away. But I I look big picture, and I still think that for this season to be considered a success, they don't have to win the Stanley Cup. But they have to win at least one playoff round. I mean, two would be great, but you have to get out of the first round and, and just be be trending in the right direction, taking the correct steps. Uh, if I threw that that statement at you, win a playoff series or it's a failure, would you agree or disagree? I would absolutely agree. There's no doubt in my mind the Oilers have to win a playoff series. I mean, you have you have Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, and you have Ken Holland now on his third playoff run. I say that in quotations kind of because there wasn't really a run versus Chicago and there wasn't really a run versus Winnipeg. And that's the problem is that you have these two superstars and you've built a team around them and yet they can only win one playoff game in their last seven cracks at it. That's just not good enough. And if they were to lose in the first round this season, especially with the way that everything's turned around, like Jay Woodcroft's team to me is a lot better than the Dave Tippett team. The Dave Tippett team had trouble starting games. The Dave Tippett team had trouble on the penalty kill. The power play died out. And there's still some works in progress with the Jay Woodcroft team, but it seems like it's kind of been night and day. Like the Vegas game is the full circle of look at how, look at where this team has come. They play a complete game against Vegas. They shut them down. They don't even allow them to score. This is a team that's supposed to be desperate to try to get in. And the Oilers managed to play a near perfect game. The first period, maybe not so great, but the second and third periods, they had no points from McDavid, no points from Dreisaitl, and they won the game for zip. And that is something you never would have seen with the Oilers in the last few years. So with the way that they're going, to not win in the first round would show a clear problem with, to me, the way that the team is structured in which you have to look at management and go, maybe something has to change. And yeah, I, I, I think the expectations now are, you know, at, at absolute worst case scenario, they would have to lose in the first round in seven. Like they would, it would have to be a scenario where 
they're at least really competitive. There's some overtimes and some bounces didn't go their way, but that they showed clear progress. You can't have a team that shows not enough progress for three straight seasons when you have the two best players potentially in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really interesting that, you know, the stat you throw out there about the, the top two Oilers, McDavid and Dryasaddle going pointless against the, the Vegas Golden Knights and still coming away with a 4-2 victory, or sorry, 4 nothing victory, like, really impressive. Uh, the Oilers have played the Golden Knights four times this season, McDavid, Dryasaddle, the first time they met, five points, the three games since, scoreless. So, uh, kinda crazy that the Golden Knights have found a way to kinda, minimalize what those guys do at least on a stat sheet but for the Oilers to get that victory like you said like in that fashion it has come full circle like that was an outstanding performance uh one thing we have seen since Jay Woodcroft and Dave Manson got the promotion up from Bakersfield is a drastic improvement between the pipes with goaltending and I don't know if it's just goaltending I think maybe the system in front with uh with the five guys out there might be a benefit as well. What have you seen from the goalies in the last couple of months since Woodcroft and co took over? Well, I, th- I think it's a lot easier to play the position of goaltending when you have your defense actually stepping up and making plays. Like one of the biggest problems under the Dave Tippett era was that the D men were all kind of backing up into their own zone and letting guys just jump into the zone. And that also was a, a Jim Playfair style of coaching that I just never agreed with. And, you know, now that there's guys stepping up at the blue line and holding the neutral zone better, you're noticing that there's less chances against that are dangerous. Now, there still are dangerous chances. I mean, this Oilers defense is not perfect. In fact, I would suggest that other than Cody Cece, every other blue liner on Edmonton is pretty, like, susceptible to making some mistakes. Like, it happens. And what I do like about seeing... Mike Smith's game recently and Miko Koskinen's game recently, aside from, say, you know, the Calgary game or the Minnesota game. And I don't think the Minnesota game's on Koskinen, to be honest. I think that those two goalies have just shown a little bit more aggression in their net. They're a little bit more able to, you know, not worry about these odd man rushes always coming at them. They're a little, they're, they're a little bit more assertive and able to anticipate, okay, there's not going to be a huge breakdown on a rush. I, I'm able to kind of stay in my net and I'm able to kind of set and get ready. Like that's, that's one thing with Mike Smith's game that can be a problem is that he's a bit of a roamer where he feels like I got to be the hero. And if there's a two on one, you know, he he's usually up to the challenge, but, but when there's a, a big breakdown that keeps cycling in his own zone, he tends to kind of lose focus and, when the Oilers defense is really kind of breaking it out better and structuring better then it just really clears up his mind to, to make more saves. And more importantly for Mike Smith, he's really feeling the puck moving element of his game. And I used to make fun of Mike Smith sometimes. Cause I'm like, man, goalies should not move the puck. Like if you're going to move the puck, Oh boy. Like that's how a lot of these weird goals and mistakes happen. But some of Mike Smith's passing lately has been the best of his career. Like he's been like the Sharks game, obviously fantastic pass to McDavid, but the game after against LA, he was making tape to tape passes all game long. And you know, Mike Smith's at his most confident when he's doing that at ease versus what he sometimes can do, which is, you know, slink more back into his net and then kind of play a more wild structure. I feel like he's just showing more confidence in net and Koskinen in the same way. I'm seeing more confidence in his game 
to step up and make saves when it's necessary, but he, he doesn't have to worry as much about the D, especially on the rush. That's the key. Clock, I think this is a dumb question to ask you right now because I think that this changes every week and it's going to be something we're going to have to kind of monitor as we get closer to the playoffs. But if you had to pick one guy to start the playoffs between the pipes, do you have an answer? There anyone you're confident in right now? Well, I mean, it's it's a dumb question right now because <laughs> let's be honest, it's just going to be who is the hottest in the last three or four games. Like right now, it's Mike Smith. Because right now, Mike Smith has had his last two games be shutouts and he's won his last six starts. Like right now, it's Mike Smith. He's playing Unreal. But with these two guys, who knows? It's nice that they're both playing well, but it's also a little unsettling still. You go into the playoffs with these two guys and the last two times it didn't really work out. And look, Mike Smith has a tendency to play pretty good and then fall off a little in the playoffs, at least of late. But I look back at that Calgary series when Calgary played Colorado and Mike Smith started game one and he was probably Calgary's best player in that series. Oh yeah. So it's not like everything's going to turn out like the Chicago series for him. I actually thought he was good against Winnipeg too. He just wasn't great. Like he was good, but Connor Hellebuck was better. Yeah. And that was a, a factor. I would go Smith today, but if Smith falters in the next couple of games, now it's Koskinen. Like, I don't know. I think it's 50, 50 still. And I, I, I was on Herdan Salas's like the last podcast he did, and that's when I think both guys were struggling. And I was like, I, like we don't know. Like everyone's shouting for Stuart Skinner to get the the call up, but in two weeks' time, these two goalies could be playing at a high level. And like, flash forward two or three weeks, here we are, and and both goalies are playing good. And I, I don't think I've seen uh, Stuart Skinner get texted into our inbox at twelve sixty. I don't know if you've seen that at Chet at all, but you know the names kind of faded away for now, but that could change in one week like it's just been so up and down with this Oilers goaltending duo you really just don't know what's going to happen uh, something will just you know it, it will continue to give us content on both our stations clack because uh, it's it's a debate that probably won't be going away anytime soon uh, some news breaking on a Monday that Edmonton Oilers fourth round pick from 2020 Carter Savoy signing an amateur tryout contract with the Bakersfield Condors of course he just won a national championship with the University of Denver um, man what a great season he had uh, a great year he's had and it's getting any even better uh when you look at carter savoy a guy who lit it up for the crusaders of the ajhl before going to denver and kind of you know really finding a stride there offensively contributing as a freshman now as a sophomore what are the expectations for him obviously shorter guy thick guy has a knack for putting the puck in the back of the net like is he a, is he a project you think he's kind of a long shot to make the big club what do you think when it comes to carter savoy well, with Carter Savoy, really, it's going to be like I look back at how the Oilers managed with Nail Yakupov. And obviously, Carter Savoy is not the pedigree of Nail Yakupov, a first overall pick. But what I didn't like about how the Oilers managed Yakupov was that he came in and he was a scoring player. And they try to make him a two way guy and they try to teach him to play defense. And that's just not really his game. And, and he really lost confidence in knowing he'd be stable to the bench if he made a bad defensive play or something. And and they, they didn't really let him, in my opinion, grow as a player to where he, where his skill set was shining the best. And that part of it's on Yakupov and part of it's on the team, but 
how does that relate to Carter Savoy? Well, Carter Savoy to me is a really good one shot scoring type of player. He's a guy that has a great shot on the power play. He can do whatever you want in terms of being the finishing guy. But aside from that, it's not like he's the two way guy at all. Like it's not like he's a guy that's going to go back and play your penalty kill and, and, you know, be on the ice in the shutdown moment. Like he's not really that kind of guy. He's a pure goal scoring player. So for him to be on the Oilers, I think he just has to really be producing in Bakersfield, be their power play guy, be their guy that scores 30 goals in a season. And then they need to have a spot on the Oilers where he can succeed. Like don't put Carter Savoy in the bottom two lines. That's not his game. He won't do much. Like he'll don't, don't be like a Daniel Sprong type where he's not really fitting on any of these lines and you don't know where to put him. Like if he's going to go up, He's got to show that he's ready with production in the minors. And then he's got to play with McDavid or Dreisaitl. He has to play with a guy that can get him the puck so that he can snipe and he can shoot. That's his style of game. He's not a two-way guy. He's a guy that's going to score you goals when it matters. And that has a lot of value, but just don't develop him in a way where you're trying to force something onto his game that's not his game. Just let him be confident, and then he'll bring you an element to your team that you're not – that you're lacking in. And in this case, it's goal scoring. It's like you're just saying, just like have a good plan for him. Well, exactly. Just have a good plan (laughs) for the guy. Like every player is a bit different. Some guys are players that when they hit the NHL level, they, they want to focus on defense more because maybe they're not the most offensively talented guys. They did produce in junior, but their game is a defensive game. In Savoy's case, it's all offense. It's all gas, no breaks. So have a good plan for him to develop and get production because for him, production is going to be extremely important. Yeah. And I, I really like that. Like when we've seen it, you know, you got these guys who we consider finishers and, and they get into the NHL at a young age and they're playing on the third or fourth line. And it's like that, that's not why they were drafted. He drafted them to be someone who can put the puck in the net. I, I really agree with that one. A clacker absolutely have a plan for him when when he's NHL ready, but he he's got to prove it to the AHL level. I mean that's going to be the first step for him. Uh, some news from Oilers practice today. Uh, Kyler Yamamoto didn't skate. Obviously the Oilers off until Wednesday, and we know he blocked some shots. Uh, he, he was the walking wounded out there on Saturday, so probably a good move for him to to rest a little bit. One that stood out a little bit more. Evander Kane not on the ice. Uh, Jason Greger, TSN 1260, and Daily Faceoff reporting that he's told Kane is in New York for a meeting, and it's in regards to the uh, termination of his contract with the San Jose Sharks. Um, you know, you don't like to have these distractions. Hopefully that's something that Kane can uh, get into New York and get out and be back with the team. Uh, wh- what do you make of that? Like, wh- what do you think could come of this? And and why would this happen mid-season? It's, it's just housekeeping. Like, I don't think Evander Kane is going to be very distracted by this. It's just a matter of they, they have to figure this out with the NHL and the NHLPA. And, and I, I don't think that... Uh, that, that Kane is going to sit there and, and dwell on a contract proceeding. Like if it was something different, maybe involving his personal life, I'd be a little more concerned as in the past that has been an issue with Evander Kane. It's just stuff around his personal life. But in this case, it's just more technical. I, and really like with Evander Kane, I mean, he's played quite well, I think, especially on the four check and, turning pucks over and, and finding chemistry with McDavid and Poli RV in a four checking aspect, but his production and yes, he's production. They're both not there right now. I think both will have rebounds. I mean, Kane 
pretty much scored the shorthanded goal in, against Vegas, but then it got taken away, and, and I guess it went in with Nuge first. Uh, so Kane hasn't scored a goal technically in 11 games. Uh, but but at the same time, like the way that him and McDavid and Pulleyarby are forechecking and are progressing in the offensive zone, it shows results are to come. Like I'm not worried about that. So him taking two personal days off for what really at this point is just kind of uh, we have to get through this or whatever. I'm not I'm not worried about it. And and likewise, I'm not worried about Yessi Pulleyarby. I just want to say that because boy has Pulleyarby <laughs> been a huge topic right now and. I, I I don't think people notice all the little things he does, Connor. Like, well, if, if I may jump in here, like I I take a look back, and I, I'm as you know, I'm not as big on the analytics as some people, just because I don't know, I, mean, I don't know what it is. It's, it just doesn't pique my interest. But I watch JP, and I'm like, what what is there to be critical about his game? Like he he creates opportunities for other players. He separates people from pucks. He goes to the dirty areas. He does all the little things. Yeah, he's not scoring, but the team's still winning hockey games, and he's getting his opportunities. Like, there's things I think he can work on. In my opinion, if I was his agent, because we have a lot of people saying, like, lock him up, sign him for a big, a long-term deal. If I was the agent, no, it's it's not going to be that. We're going to work on some of the, the little things, the skills, you know, work on those in the offseason. He's going to come back and score 25 next year, and then we'll start negotiating a contract or a long-term one. But, yeah, I don't know. I I don't really get the, the criticisms of him because I've liked his game. Well, so everybody loves Colorado, right? Colorado they, yeah. Avalanche, one of the best teams in the NHL, and people love to watch them, and they might win the President's Trophy again, and they're just – High power, amazing offense. Well, they have a guy named Valery Nichushkin, who, by the way, is a UFA this summer. And Valery Nichushkin, he's been scoring this year. Like he has 20 plus goals, but at the same time, he never was that guy. Like he used to be a 30 point kind of player, mm-hmm. but his analytics were always really great. And if you watch the way Nichushkin plays, it's because of the things that he does that really makes it hard on the opposition to break out. Like what Nikushkin would do is he'd use his size and go in the corner and then he would just use his body to win a battle and then kind of leak it out to Burakovsky or Kadri. And then those guys would score goals. And at the end of the day, all of his stats look great because he has a role on that team that is unique, that is really helpful to their success. In the Oilers case, it's Jesse Pugliarvi. He uses, he uses his big body. He goes in the corner He's relentless with his stick. He's always moving his stick around, and he's just really annoying to try to break out against because he's always trying to get the puck back. He's a dog out there just playing fetch, and he he gets the puck, and he grabs it, and he fires it back to Connor, and he's trying to give Connor more chances to do stuff with the puck. And, like, his goal scoring is coming along. So, yeah, if I'm Yessie's agent, I'm thinking, hey, he's doing all the right things, He's just not scoring the goals necessarily, but next year he could have 30 and then boom. So as much as I think it, well, it's, 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 it's correct that he should probably get a long-term deal, but like if, if I was Ken Holland, I would try. Yeah. yeah, His agent probably knows he could break out at any second. He's seen the Darnell nurse got a huge contract after he broke out and he's probably thinking, yeah, we could get, yes, he's some sick money if we just wait a little bit. And I also love how, yes, he plays high in both zones, like in the offensive zone, he plays high so that it's really hard for D-man to break it out. And in his own zone, he plays high. So he stops cross crease passes and cross ice passes like against Colorado in that game. I think, yes, he stopped at least four if not five 
of Colorado's fancy cross ice passing between McKinnon and Randon or between their other guys, like between Comfer, there was one. He's just really good at playing the neutral zone and playing the high zone. And that is a unique type of style for that player. And be happy you have a unique guy that can do all this and there's potential for more. Oh, yeah. And then, hey, if I was a fan and if I was the Oilers, I'd be loving to make a long-term deal with JP right now. Like, yeah, let's get it done. But if I'm his agent, I'm like, no, no, we'll, we'll do bridge because we think this guy has a lot more upside. I think he does. I mean, I, I tweeted it out there. When this guy starts picking corners, like, watch out because... Um, the guy's going to be a threat on that top line with Connor McDavid. Uh, Clack, one of the traits I think from a good sports team could be any sport. Uh, you don't let the losses stack up. And last Tuesday, the Oilers fell to the wild, uh, 5-1 ugly game. I think everybody was pretty pissed off with the way that that one went. But since then, they've responded quite well against the Preds and the Golden Knights, outscoring them 8-0. Uh, two straight wins. And you've got the Dallas Stars coming up here on Wednesday and then the Avs in town on Friday. Uh, what do you make of the next two games here, uh, how much are they going to show when you're taking on opponents like the Stars and the Avs? And uh, I guess, what do you expect from the Oilers? Well, I mean, I expect some really good hockey. Like they, the way that they played against Vegas should be the standard going forward and maybe not shutting out every team you play because that's a lot to ask. But Dallas is another team that, you know, they are desperate to make the playoffs. They're in this mix. And Dallas has a very special element of their team where Miro Haskinen is one of the only defensemen in the NHL that actually can keep up and defend Connor McDavid. So you have a situation here where you actually can see some line matching going on where you're, you're going to see Jay Woodcroft try to get McDavid away from Haskinen. And, I, and I've really enjoyed watching Jay Woodcroft line match at home, especially because He's outcoached a lot of coaches so far in trying to get McDavid and Dreisaitl and actually Dave Manson with the D pairs trying to get them out against more favorable matchups, especially at home. It's a big part of why they've had home success. So Dallas, I want to see the same type of really good defensive shutdown play they had against Vegas, Colorado, cream of the crop, and they've kept up with them in the last two games. I just want to see more of the same against Colorado. I want to see some fun end-to-end action, but also good defensive play, limit the Avalanche's chances. I just, that's all you want to see at this time. You just want to see the Oilers play playoff-style hockey. And the key about playing playoff-style hockey is defensive shutdown play and really goaltending. We still want to see the goaltending keep up. The, the last thing you want to see in these last few games is Mike Smith start letting in four or Koskinen start letting in five. Like that would be a concern right before the playoff starts. So that those are the two biggest things, the defensive tightening and the goaltending. And I think that Dallas and Colorado, those are two great matchups to see, especially because they're at home. So you can see what Woodcross is going to do, but you can also see how the Oilers will adjust to teams like that of that quality. Clack, uh, I, I like what you said about Jay Woodcroft there. One of the things that, you know, Tom and I kind of joke about, like, this is a football coach coaching hockey. Like, uh, you know, he, he's the game plan is important to him, but he, there's lots of things he kind of keeps on the down low. Like his starting goalies might not be announced until, you know, we see them go out there for, for pregame skate, like things like that. It's, it's interesting to watch. Uh, he's definitely brought a, a unique dynamic to this team and, uh, the boys playing well for him out there. Final question for you. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, they're, they're making that late push to get into the playoffs. The LA Kings kind of fending them off right now. 
Who do you think the Oilers will see in the first round of the NHL playoffs? Well, I mean, thanks to the Oilers' performance, I think that Vegas is now in real tough sledding. Like, that was the game that might have determined the West. The Mm -hmm. Oilers and Vegas game on Saturday might have told us it's going to be L.A., because Vegas has a tougher schedule than, than L.A. And look, Vegas, I think, is a better team than L.A. right now because L.A., without Drew Doughty, well, it's up and down. Like, their defense is really young, and they still can put up good performances, but they also have some more inconsistency. But but really, like, Vegas is a little far back here. Like, they, they might actually sneak into the wild card if Dallas or Nashville were to falter, and Edmonton can help with that if they beat Dallas. That would help Vegas actually get in, which might help if Vegas plays Calgary in the first round because that would be – pretty funny actually to see Calgary have a great season and then they got to play Vegas. But I think just based on the way that LA's schedule rolls and because Edmonton won that game, I think we're going to see LA in the first round and I'm not discounting Vegas because they could totally win out and then we play Vegas or whatever. But I do think that when you look at the LA Kings, I don't want fans to just throw them out because they're the quote unquote easier matchup. Like I really want to, kind of make everyone think about what LA can do well that would make them a problem for Edmonton. Without Drew Doughty, LA still brought Edmonton to the last two games as one-goal games. Like, one went to a shootout, and one was a one-goal game where LA really dominated the third period. And the thing that LA can do really well is that they've got two centermen that are both very good defensively, that can match up against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, especially on the road. At home, Woodcroft did a good job at taking McDavid and taking Dreisaitl and finding ways so that they weren't really on the matchups that Todd McClellan wanted. But Deneau in the neutral zone is really hard to play, and he will shadow Connor McDavid if he has a chance. And Kopitar has the size to match up against Leon Dreisaitl. So if those two players can make such an impact at center – and Quentin Byfield breaks out at all because Byfield at center is starting to become more of a handful as he learns the league, that team is not going to be an easy win. It's just not. It'll actually be a dogfight with some overtimes. And everyone that thinks the Oilers are just going to steamroll in five games, that's not what's going to happen. L.A. is still a tough competitor. I still think I'd take the Oilers. But it's it's not going to be a series that's just simple as, oh, they don't have Doughty, it's done. It's not done. Oh, clock. You're, uh, you're worrying me. I, I was the one who was like, oh yeah, you take the Kings over the Vegas Golden Knights in a best of seven series. And, and now I wasn't saying it's going to be easy. You're right. The proof is in the pudding the last time these two teams have met. The last couple occasions. Um, it would be a fun series. And I don't know. Maybe it's the, the guy who remembers last year against Winnipeg, but the Oilers in overtime. I don't know how confident I am. You got to get that big save, and it, it just seems like, you know, last year, as we talked about earlier on, Connor Hellebuck made those saves. Uh, the Oilers couldn't get them, so it'll be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to it this year and more expectations on these guys. I mean, like we've discussed, they've got to win a playoff series. Um, two would be great. Wh- who do you think the, the Flames get? You brought them up. Uh, do you think if they were to take on a team like Nashville, there could be problems there, or do you think the Flames are just built too strong this year? Well, I'm going to be honest. I'm not worried about Nashville at all. No? Uh, I, I kind of look at Nashville in the playoffs, and I don't know if the depth is there. They have a great five-man unit. Like, their their initial who's on the ice. You have Roman Yossi, Forsberg, Duchesne's having a great year. 
And UC Saros and net, I mean, UC Saros is, is quite a good number one goaltender, but I'm not totally worried about them just because if that first line is a shutdown, if, if that first line gets shut down at all, then the rest of the team, like maybe Tanner Janot can score, but I'm not really confident that the rest of that team is going to come through for them. So I think Nashville might be an easier out than people expect. And I'm not super confident in Dallas either. They seem like a team that's almost held back by their coaching. They have some really good talent. Miro Heiskanen is, is excellent. And their top line is excellent. The Pavelski, Robertson, Hintz line. But they don't give me the vibe of a team that can consistently make it through a playoff series. So I think Calgary will rule both of those teams, to be honest. I think that the way Calgary plays is perfect for the playoffs. Daryl Sutter has won before. He knows what to do. I'm pretty sure that he can figure out a way with his number one goaltender and now a hundred point Johnny Goudreau to (laughs) beat those teams. But also, I mean, Vegas could sneak into that wild card. Yeah. And if Vegas makes it, that's a dogfight. That's a, if Vegas if Vegas wins enough games to make it in, they're not just going to roll over. They're going to play like Vegas, and the Vegas team that we know is extremely hard on the puck. They have a lot of possession. It's not going to be easy, and the Flames in Vegas would be a seven game series to me. I don't know if I could pick a team in that series because Vegas just beat Calgary six one. Well, and uh, Clack, my my Twitter mentions tell me Johnny Goudreau will disappear in the playoffs. Lock it in. <laughs> like I used to be somewhat in that narrative because, Oh, Johnny Gaudreau plays softer on the perimeter in the playoffs. He's just not built for it, but this is Daryl Sutter's team. I'm not counting out Daryl Sutter until he's out because counting out Daryl Sutter in the past has led to your team being upset. The LA Kings. Oh, count them out. They're an eighth seed. They win the cup. Oh, count them out. <laughs> Chicago's just a better team. And then they go to the third round, lose to Chicago, come back and win again. Calgary Flames, 0-4. Count them out. They don't have enough depth. They go to the final. Like, yeah. I don't think Daryl Sutter is a coach that I'm ever going to take lately. Sure, you can beat him. It's happened. But don't take him lately. He's figured out Johnny Goudreau. Goudreau looks like a different player. I don't think he's going to totally disappear like some people like to throw that narrative out there. I think Goudreau is going to be a different player. Yeah, I mean, and I, I think people were mad because I was praising him as he lit up the Oilers a couple Saturdays ago. But, uh, yeah, uh, one year, 11 playoff games, nine points. Another year, 10, he had seven points. Uh, yeah, a couple bad playoff runs in between that. But uh, I just can't discount him immediately. And like you said, he's got the coach there who's who's built a team that is ready to play in the NHL playoffs. Uh, I, I think you, I, anyone, anyone under, I don't even know what the age would be, like 38, maybe 39, maybe it's even 40. The, the ones who haven't seen a BOA in the playoffs, I'm just rooting for it because that would be awesome. And I think uh, that would get a, a whole new generation hating the in-province rival. And that's, that's really what it's all about. That's what we need. Can you imagine what White Eye is going to look like in an Oilers <laughs> Flames series like i i was around for 06 but i was a kid yeah so i wasn't on white ave and i was at game six and it was an amazing atmosphere but i didn't see the craziness in person but if calgary edmonton's the series and you can just drive for playoff <laughs> games back and forth like oh my goodness even i don't he... think anyone's seen anything like it if they're under the age of 40 in in the province of alberta and it will be insane and i hope i hope that there's a goalie fight 
Oh, yeah. We need the goalie fight. You know, send out the backups or whatever it might be. Start the backups. Let them get it out of the way. Um, yeah, when even if you don't go to the game, people might just make the drive to be in the city where the game's being played. And I, I had just turned 18 in 2006, like, pretty young, uh, didn't want to quite go to adventure to the bar scene because of just how crazy it was on White Ave. I was like, yeah, let's just, uh, let's buy a, a case of Molson Canadian. I think that's what we drank back then. Maybe a bottle of R&R and, uh, watch from a house. And, and that worked out pretty well. Um, for the younger generation of hockey fans, I, you know, you haven't seen that playoff series. You haven't been able to enjoy it at a, at a pub or maybe having some beers. I, I look forward to it. I hope the weather holds up. I hope the Oilers go on a nice long run. Clack, I hope you get a chance to enjoy it as well. And I appreciate you hopping on the podcast today. Yeah. I mean, Hey, always uh, nice to join. I hope you had a happy Easter weekend, Connor. And, and I'm really looking forward to this playoff. It's not just the Oilers. It's the, the East is crazy and the West has good teams and, it really feels like it's going to be one of the best playoffs and an Edmonton Calgary series. That would just be the cherry on top. Clacker. Thanks for doing this. We'll get you on again. Uh, maybe during the playoffs, if you're available, I'll be available. I'll be waiting. <laughs> Hockey fans feel the action on the ice. Like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold hard cash. New customers can make their first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contests. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up the points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash Whenever you want, just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 plus restrictions apply. If you or someone you know is a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, or Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire. 888-789-7777. Or you can check out ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 8778-HOPE-NY, or you can text HOPE-NY in New York. Visit opgr.org in Oregon. Call Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-7989 in Tennessee or in Virginia, 1-888-532-3500. 21-plus, 18-plus in New Hampshire or Wyoming, physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Minnesota, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming only. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Great stuff from Brendan Clack of Fantrax. Appreciate him hopping on the podcast. As always, make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update. As we discussed in that interview, uh, he is right on it. He He has the updates quick, like as they come. Right as fast as some of the NHL insiders. So uh, make sure you give him a follow on Twitter again at NHL Update. Right now, though, let's uh, turn our attention to something a little bit different here. We're going to be joined by Patrick Cordyback. He is the lead singer, the front man for Stereo's Multi-Platinum Juno Award winning Outlaw. 
That's what he's got on the Twitter bio. Very impressive. At the quarterback, they've got a brand new music video coming out on Tuesday. I don't know when you're listening to this podcast, but it comes out on Tuesday. Some familiar faces there. A cool partner who we've actually had on the podcast, the guys with Pride Tape. We're going to talk about that and more with Patrick. Patrick, thanks so much for doing this today. How are you doing? I'm doing terrific, man. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing good, and I, I appreciate you coming on the podcast here. Uh, I know the band Oilers fans. I, I did a little research, because I remember when you guys were on the Much Music Show Disband, and, and you know it was like, oh, this is awesome. We got a, a group from Edmonton participating. I went to your guys' Wikipedia page. There you are, Edmonton Oilers shirt. Obviously, League Oilers fans, so it kind of works out well that you're hopping on here. Uh Let's just talk about the Oilers a little bit first. I mean, when did it all start for you? Were you just that kid from the Edmonton region growing up like, well, I guess I got to just idolize this hockey team here? Um, pretty much, man. It's uh it's I'm sure I'm not unique in this sense, but it was immediate obsession. Um my dad has footage of me learning how to count based on Oilers numbers. It was like um kind of like beautiful mind stuff man like I, I don't even think i'm very good at math now but back then my dad could like just shout out a number and i would know what player was on it and uh cool very quick story but uh i don't remember it but i was able to see gretzky's last game as an oiler because the power went out in boston um and so the game had to be moved back to edmonton and then uh my dad was able to get a last-minute ticket, and I got to watch it on his lap. So I was able to see uh, Gretzky's last game as an Oiler, and I have the ticket signed and everything. And so since then, man, yeah, it's just been a complete obsession. So, like, when you were growing up, let's say elementary school, who were the Oilers you cheered for? Like, I'm I'm just trying to think, because, like, I remember Jason Arnett, and I thought Shane Corson was a god, and then everyone would tell me, like, oh, he was actually a pretty bad captain for this team. But in my eyes, he was a <laughs> hero. Uh, who were the guys you grew up watching? So I idolized my cousin Billy, and the reason I say that is because I didn't know any better at the time, but I would just say my favorite players were his. Now I look back, and he was just so into goons, man. So there's guys who I look up who I was like, oh, yeah, he was my favorite player, and they, like, barely played. Like Dennis Bonvi, um, even, dude, Louis DeBrusque, straight really? up. I, I would be like, yeah, he's my favorite player. And it was just because I was just, like, literally copying what my cousin Billy said. So, like, and let's be honest, also those years were, like, pretty bleak like there wasn't a lot of success obviously by the time like Waite and Marchand came in even Bill Guerin when they were here I really got back into them at that time and I love those players but uh yeah for like the early 90s man like after the cups I was just like a fan of goons because I didn't know any better my uh my mom tells me a story all the time that we were walking through the mall one day and Louis DeBrusque was signing autographs at like Athletes World or something and she said oh we should go get his autograph and I said no he took two penalties last night don't want his autograph like that's <laughs> I so it's funny you you grew up liking Louis DeBrusque I apparently did not like him. Now I think he's just an absolute beauty on the Sportsnet broadcast and a great guy. He's been in studio here at, at TSN 1260 before. Awesome guy, awesome family, but uh, ah, different paths we took as Oilers fans. So let, let's talk about the new video. Uh, I guess it, it premiered on Sportsnet. I, I was obviously working. Didn't get a chance to watch it, uh, but you sent me a, a copy of it. You've got some cameos. I noticed the pride tape in there. Uh, how did the whole thing come together? Man, it's the most, uh, it's kind of a long story. I'll try and make it short, but basically we were hired last year by the WHF, um, like as, for lack of a better term, to be honest with you, man, as like influencers to kind of pump up the uh, world championships. And at that time, the on the bench crew was also part of that. And they just like messaged us and said, hey, you guys are local. Why don't we like 
like hook up and do some content. And I was already a fan of what they did. I thought their videos were hilarious. And I was like, well, I don't know what they want to do with us, but yeah, let's <laughs> do it. So most Canadian thing ever, we meet them in a Tim Hortons parking lot in Airdrie and have some coffees. And they're like, yeah, we want to do a song. And I was like, what? You guys are musicians. Like, what are you talking about? And they're like, I don't know. We just kind of want to like branch out, do something. And we just happened to have this song called Bad Times that I wrote for the album that we were doing, but it didn't make the album, not because we didn't like it, it just didn't fit the kind of the sound we were going for. And so we brought them in on that song, kind of wrote them into it. And from there, it was kind of history, man. And we did a video um, a few months ago. We got Tim Hunter in it, which was, um, I made the joke to you earlier, but like, it was really kind of a, it screwed my mind a bit, man, because I grew up hating this guy. And he was the nicest dude. He was supposed to be there for like 20 minutes to just do like a bartender scene. He stayed for the whole thing, had a ton of beers, and was just like a great dude the whole time. And um, yeah, Pride Tape um, hooked us up with some product and some support and uh that's a cause obviously we are uh very supportive of and so that was really cool we always tape our like i always tape my mic rob tapes his guitars so that's like a legit thing we do anyway so to kind of involve them in that side was uh just a cool opportunity to involve them in something we wanted to do yeah i mean like those guys they've had a lot of success hey eh? like that they're a big deal right now i i know on instagram i mean they're always pumping out the content and uh the flames jersey is a little tough to see out there all the time but <laughs> it's good stuff there and and i mean pride tape we've we've had them on the podcast before we did a giveaway it was very well received so uh very cool that you guys got a chance to to work them in with it now if somebody wants to see the video what's the best place to find it exclusively on the on the bench youtube so if you honestly just like type in your google search there uh on the bench youtube uh you're gonna find it it's uh premiering as we speak right now so it'll be definitely live uh and ready to view for anyone once they hear this we'll make sure we uh, tweet that out too and we, we get it out there so if you follow me on twitter at connor Halley, i'll make sure we we put it out there i've seen the video big fan i like those guys and i told you uh, if, if you, this new song is anything like Sunset Gold, it's going to be coming up on my, my iTunes and I'm never going to skip it. So, uh, <laughs> I, I love that one. Uh, big fan of the, the music and glad you could do this, Patrick. Glad to have you on. And, you know, I, I kind of joked when I introed you, like, we, we do have Patrick coming on. He's a big Bengals fan. Don't know if I should bring it up or not. Are you, have you moved past the Super Bowl loss? Uh, yeah, man. It's sort of like, and, yeah, I, so as you can tell, yeah, it's still kind of raw, but like, I just didn't expect to be there and it was such an amazing year. Um, I'm kind of, I don't want to be a gatekeeper, man. You know, the guy who sees like the band t-shirt and says name five songs, but I was a fan since I was six and it was the worst decision of my entire life because of how bad <laughs> they were. So I'm going to be very skeptical if people get too on the bandwagon, but at the same time, man, like, I have a Bengals tattoo, and I've hated that some years that I've had that tattoo, um, and now you know I can be proud about it again. But um, it was great to just make it there. Of course you want to win. The AFC is not going to be getting any easier anytime soon. But uh, uh, last thing I'll say on that, though, man, is there was a couple years ago I was kind of getting a little melancholy about the, uh, the era of quarterbacks that we were now moving on from with Peyton and uh, obviously Brady and Breeze. And it looks like we're in for another era just as good, if not better. So that's really exciting for anyone who likes football. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the success that the Bengals had, I think that gave a lot of 
fans who root for the long-suffering organizations, I'll say myself as a Chargers fan, like, hey, if the Bengals can do it with their guy, maybe we have a chance. Joe Burrow's a stud, uh, and, and it looks like, you know, just adding to that offensive line this offseason as well. So you guys are going to be a tough team to beat. That division is going to be tough uh, with the Ravens and, you know, maybe, well, I guess the Browns too. They got Deshaun Watson. They're going to be tough. So, man, I'm looking forward to football season already. And, Patrick, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, the YouTube video, uh, go to YouTube, search on the bench. It's uh, the first one. Bad Times right there. I highly recommend you check it out. Awesome song. And, I mean, it's going to blow up. I know it's going to blow up, especially when you get on the, the national broadcast with Sportsnet. Like, I, I foresee good things coming with this one. I appreciate it so much, man. And thank you for even having me on to chat about it. The support really means a lot, for real. There you go. Great stuff from Patrick Quarterback, the lead singer for Stereos. Give him a follow on Twitter, at the quarterback, And, of course, the new single, Bad Times. You can check it out on YouTube, like we mentioned. Just search On The Bench. It'll be the first video there. Uh, just came out, I think, moments ago after we taped this. So Tuesday, when you're tuning into this podcast, maybe Wednesday, it'll still be there. Check it out. YouTube on the bench. Uh, those guys are hilarious. The stereos kick ass. So a uh, big, big thank you to Patrick for hopping on the podcast today. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Other Connor Podcast. It was a great one. We had a lot of fun. Of course, Patrick Quarterback, like I just mentioned. Check him out with the stereos. Uh, Brandon Clack from Fantrax and uh, of course down the dial at 6.30 always appreciate Clacker coming on the podcast here with me you can also give him a follow on Twitter at NHL Update for the Edmonton Oilers they're back in action on Wednesday they'll take on the Dallas Stars down at Rogers Place it's a nice 6.30 puck drop for those of you who want the earlier start our pregame coverage on TSN 1260 with Tom Gazzola Matt Cassian a little bit of Jason Greger and myself will get going at 5.30. Then for the Oilers, they will host the Colorado Avalanche. Friday, that's a 7 o'clock start. That's going to be a massive game. Another chance for the Oilers to to see what they've got against one of the best teams in the NHL. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we'll talk to you before then, though. I think we'll drop another podcast a Thursday night, Friday morning. One of the two. One of the two to get some more Oilers content out there because we all know there's just not enough of it out there. But thank you guys so much for joining me today here on the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to our sponsor, the Hockey Podcast Network. DraftKings. Sign up today. Use promo code THPN. Make sure to give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley, and we'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.